HR Party of One is brought to you by Bernie Portal, the all-in-one HRIS that helps you save time so you can focus on fostering a better place to work. In this episode, we're going to talk about why you shouldn't categorize PTO days. Have you ever seen the movie You, Me, and Dupree with Owen Wilson? If you have, you'll remember the scene I'm about to mention. If you haven't, well, you can catch that movie this weekend. But to give you a little insight, Owen's character, Dupree, lost his job and is going through an interview process. During the interview, he asks, what's your policy on Columbus Day? To which the interviewer responds, we work. Dupree then says, really? The guy discovered the new world. I'm afraid to even ask about victory over Japan Day. While it may seem a little comical or far-fetched to some of you, others have probably experienced pretty similar interactions with employees. People may have holidays that they are particularly passionate about, and that's great. But it doesn't mean that you have to celebrate every holiday as an organization. Otherwise, you'd probably go out of business. But it does lead me into the topic of today's episode, PTO days and why you should not categorize them. And at the end of this episode, we'll even provide you the exact method to take if you want to update your PTO policy smoothly. In this episode, we will discuss categories of PTO days, why you shouldn't categorize PTO days, and how to properly remove PTO categorizations from your policy. Categories of PTO days. Categorizing PTO days makes things overly complicated for employees, managers, and HR. Let's go over what some of these common categories are and what they are meant to be used for. Vacation days, used for time to travel or take a break from work. Sick leave, time off when an employee is sick or injured. Personal time, Time for employees to schedule appointments such as an annual checkup, oil changes, parent-teacher conferences, etc. Bereavement, time off for the death of a loved one. Pet bereavement, time off for the death of a pet. Jury duty, time given to an employee who gets called to serve on a jury. Mental health days, time off given to an employee to recharge and rejuvenate their mental state. Voting time, Time given to an employee to vote in presidential and local elections. Community service. Time off for employees to participate in community programs and other nonprofit volunteer activities. I can continue the list, but I think you get the point. Once you agree to categorize, the potential list of categories can be lengthy and can get complex, which brings us to why you should not categorize PTO days. Why you shouldn't categorize PTO days. So now that we've gone over some of the PTO categories that exist, let's go over the more important part of the episode, why you should not categorize PTO days. For starters, how about the fact that the list seems never ending? There are simply too many categories. Deciding which PTO categories to offer can become an unnecessary stressor. You can't offer them all, so you don't have to choose. How would you decide what is important to your workforce? It would vary from one employee to another, which leads me to the next reasoning. Employees will get upset no matter what categories you offer. Let's say you offer a substantially good PTO package with vacation days, sick leave, bereavement, jury duty, and a few other categories. 
But you have one employee who is very upset that you don't specifically offer community service days. She is appalled how little the organization must care about community service, even though that is completely out of line and not true. Then you have another employee who feels strongly the office should not be open on Columbus Day. I promise you, no matter what PTO categories you offer, there will always be complaints, which is why it's best to simply just not separate them. A third reason is that separating PTO categories can cause employees to be dishonest about how they're using their PTO. Let's say an employee uses all their vacation days but still has some sick leave left for the year. This employee really wants to take a beach day on a Friday and extend the weekend, so they call out on Friday morning expressing that they aren't feeling well, therefore needing to use a sick day. Some of their coworkers may even be aware of this lie due to the wonders of social media. Eliminating categories of PTO addresses this risk. There is no proof as to why an employee is taking off, so categories become futile. An employee can say they're taking time off for the death of a family member and hop on a plane to Bermuda. An employee may fake having a dentist appointment one morning to catch up on some needed sleep. Ultimately, it shouldn't matter why the employee takes off. Whatever the category is, the employee is being paid for time they are not working. And so one category works, paid time off. When you go that path, employees can use their paid time off for whatever purpose they want, and you do not need to police the reasons they're taking it or make value judgments about which categories are best. If they need a mental health day, they can take PTO for it. Beach day, no problem, use some PTO. Don't wanna work on Columbus day? Again, use a PTO day. Without categories, employees get a lot more flexibility. So if you're thinking about updating your policy, make sure employees are aware that this is a good thing. So now let's go over how you can update your current policy. Have I convinced you all the categorizing PTO days is a bad idea yet? For those of you watching who are convinced but are unsure how to properly explain the updated PTO policy to employees, here is how you should do it. After you create the updated PTO policy, explain the reason for the change. Employees are more accepting of change when they understand the reasoning behind it. Detail the updates. Explain that you're eliminating categories and how it's a positive change for them and for the organization. If your updated policy also changes other factors, such as annual allotted PTO days or an unlimited PTO approach, make sure to list those as well. Display the policy. Write out the new policy and make sure it's located in a highly visible area for employees to access at any time. We store ours within the PTO feature of Bernie Portal, so it is right next to where employees request time off. We also detail it in the compliance feature of Bernie Portal directly in our culture guide. That way, new hires sign off on the policy prior to starting employment with us. Using Bernie Portal's PTO tracking feature enables employees to easily track how many PTO days that they have left so that management and direct reports are on the same page with the amount of days an employee has taken off and the amount they still have left. And finally, include the start date. Is the policy effective immediately or is there a specific date that the change will occur? Make sure employees know when to expect the change. If you're in need of a template to deliver the updated PTO policy, have no fear. Bernie Portal has one for you linked in the description. 
Additionally, you can take our free course on how to build and audit a great PTO policy, which can be used for a number of HR recertification credit hours. Once again, there is more in the description if you're interested. In this episode, we went over the excessive list of PTO categories that your company can ignore by eliminating PTO categories altogether. We also shared about how you can properly go about implementing this change within your organization so that your employees understand why the change is occurring and can also understand how it benefits them. Save yourself the future headaches of unnecessary conversations around PTO days and update your policy today. And as always, remember that your role is as strategic as you make it.